Big Ten football is back. Enormous news from the Big Ten on this Wednesday as the Big Ten announced that it will play football in October. Starting the week of October 24, Big Ten football will be back. And most importantly, if you're an Ohio State fan, that means the Buckeyes will have a chance to compete for a national championship, compete for a berth in the college ball playoff. Colin, if I had told you this five weeks ago, what would you have thought? I mean, I don't know. Like, if you had told me this two weeks ago, <laughs> I would have I, I would have still thought, like, that it wasn't going to happen. I don't even know. Like, my, my sense of time has, all, has been so messed up that I know five weeks ago I would have said you're crazy. I don't even – like, I was going week by week, day by day, just mood swings on, like, what I really thought was going to happen without hearing a single word the whole time from the Big Ten. Nothing ever made sense. And to actually have an answer today, and, like, multiple answers, you have – like, we were going to start our show off with Wyatt Davis and Sean, Sean Wade leaving all of a sudden, like, as we record right now at 6.22 p.m. on Wednesday – Wyatt Davis is trying to come back to Ohio State. Sean Wade went on SportsCenter earlier, and it seems like he might be considering at least playing this season for Ohio State. None of this, none of this makes any sense, but I'm still so glad that we actually ended up here when it felt like for a while, you know, we weren't really actually going to get this outcome, even though so, so many people in Columbus and, and across the Big Ten really wanted it. Well, I mean, we were talking on Tuesday nights. We, we usually record on Tuesdays and, like, you know, we were kind of dreading recording this podcast today because it's like, okay, if, if there was no announcement today, we knew any podcast we recorded was going to be obsolete within hours, most likely. So uh, we were, I think we were both very glad uh, to wake up this morning and, and find out that uh, an announcement was imminent uh, and, to, and to finally have this news come because it's, it's been an exhausting, it's, I mean, it's been an exhausting few months. Yeah, no, no. When, when you said wake up this morning and see the news was coming. So I was on a walk at like 840 this morning and I was heading back to the house. But I saw on Twitter like Pat Forty was, I think, the very first one. Or no, there was a local ABC News channel, I believe from Minnesota, who had originally tweeted out that they're here and the decision's coming. And I was like, all right, this is coming a day after we heard a Nebraska's president say on a hot mic that the decision was coming. This is coming three days after Sunday's meeting where we really thought that, you know, there, there might be a decision that night. Do I really believe this local TV station? And then all of a sudden, Pat Forty tweets out that a decision's coming. Nicole Auerbeck follows it up with a decision's coming. And, I, and yet you still think like, like, is it actually coming? I don't even know. I feel like I was living in a weird sense of reality for the last five weeks. And, you know, there is, you know, a lot of this, a lot of what we're going to talk about is, you know, what this is going to be like playing during a pandemic. But there is some sense of normalcy in the fact that we're sort of about to start ramping up talking about what a season's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I'll be real with you guys. Like, Colin knows, like, last night – I was, I was about done with this whole deal. Like I, I was just, I just had enough. Like when, when we got to the point of Tuesday and like the whole hot mic deal and like, it really sounded like an announcement was coming on Tuesday and, and then it didn't, you know, and, and I just started, you know, in, in my head, I'm thinking, is this thing about to all fall apart again? Because the way this whole thing has been, it, it, it I started getting to the point. It's like, this thing's all going to fall apart again. Like it's just not going to happen. Like, it, 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 I just started having those thoughts because that's just the way 
you know, this past, you know, five weeks have been. Uh, so, you know, when I initially like woke up this morning and I'm like half asleep and I saw like the Minnesota thing, I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, I, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not getting into the rumors today. Uh, and I'm sure we weren't alone on this. Like, I'm no. sure there are a lot of people, you guys out there who are like, no, please don't say we're going down yeah, this like, road I went only in, to be disappointed. I went to bed last night, like with the mindset of like, I'm just not even going to tweet about this like until there's actually a decision because I was just, I was just done with the rumors at that point. But, but like you said, I mean, then you start seeing it from the people who, you know, are, are, you know, really connected and, and who, you know, that they're probably getting the information straight from the big 10. And at that point you go, okay, like this, this is actually going to happen. Uh, so it did, it, it actually, it actually happened uh, around, I think around, I think around nine twenty this morning. Uh, and, and it's when Wednesday that we're recording actually here. It might be Thursday by the time you hear it, but uh, it is Real Pod Wednesday, so I had to make sure we get a, this podcast out uh, tonight. But uh, you know, when it when it when it fir- first came out this morning around you know nine twenty, and uh, we learned that the season will begin on uh, October twenty four, uh, which was a little bit later than people had originally hoped. Uh, I thought October ten, October seventeen, but I think I think we had gotten to the point where those dates were starting to get a little unrealistic because uh, I mean even October twenty four, that's just five weeks away now. Uh, so that'll come up pretty fast. Uh, but you know, the schedule format is interesting. Uh, so it's going to be eight regular season games. Uh, the, the full schedule has not yet been announced, but it sounds like that will be, you know, the six division opponents, obviously. And then, you know, two crossover games, uh, that are going to be from the original, original schedule. So Ohio state had been originally scheduled to play Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois this year, uh, going to be two of those three teams. Uh, it sounds like. Uh, and then, you know, the really interesting thing is, I mean, first of all, there's no bye weeks, uh, which I think is a scary proposition when you're talking about playing in a COVID-19 pandemic, because if anything goes wrong and a team can't play, there's just not going to really be a window uh, to reschedule games in order to stay on that path to play in the college ball playoff. Uh, and then, you know, secondly, uh, the, the Big Ten announced, which uh, if you're Ohio State, you're hoping this doesn't affect you anyway, but it's going to be just an interesting wrinkle just for the Big Ten in general is it every team is going to play in that Big Ten championship game weekend. So it's going to be basically one versus one will play in the championship game, and then two versus two, three versus three, et cetera, are also going to play that weekend. So that's a good way to uh, get everybody nine games on the schedule, uh, which was basically, you know, the best that they could do at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, you think that eight, eight or nine games, it, it's not as much as the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 are currently scheduled to play. But I think that'll be enough that if, if, you know, if Ohio State can do what it's really supposed to do and run the table in the Big Ten, it will be able to prove that it belongs in the CFP. You know, it's awesome to actually be able to talk about this and know what this is going to look like because we've been trying to, like, BS our way through this for months. Like, okay, if you play this many games, would you get in? And it's hard to do that. It really is. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of ways to look at this, but I, I do think it's pretty simple for Ohio State. Like this is a no. No matter what the specifics of the season looks like, I don't. I don't know what games are going to be scheduled when. This is this is a this is a schedule that Ohio State should run the table with. Um, I think if you look at every single team that Ohio State will be scheduled to face, it's a team that Ohio State will be favored significantly by. I mean, I could see them. I could. I could absolutely see them, especially if Sean White comes back and Wyatt Davis. You know, as long as nothing trips him up and he's able to play for the Buckeyes again this season, I could 
see them being double-digit favorites in every single game. So if you want to go down the road right now of talking about, like, all right, what happens if they happen to, you know, drop one game and they were 7-1 the regular season, still won the Big Ten Championship, would you get that? I don't really know if I, – I really don't know if they would get in or not. But what I do know is that if they run the table, if they look like the Ohio State team that we think they can look like, this team's going to get in. And, like, that – that's really the only conversation we can have right now. And the only conversation that we should be having right now is that's the expectation for this team. I think when you look up and down this roster, what this team has, I mean, Ryan Day called a once in a lifetime team a month ago. I don't know that I'd necessarily go that far. This team's really, really good. Um, it's one of the best four teams in the country. And if it doesn't perform that way, if it loses a game, that's on Ohio state. This is, this is the year where Ohio state should get back to the playoff. And gosh, if it ends with a game against Clemson, I would not be mad again. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad about that. It really is good to be able to talk about actual football again, isn't it, Colin? It is. It is. This is. This is. This is cleansing me for the last five weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we are looking forward to that. Uh, we're looking forward to not having you know a whole a whole another fall of trying to you know figure out the hell we're going to talk about. Uh, I think there's going to be plenty to talk about as the team uh, gets rolling on camp here uh, pretty soon and everything starts to uh, ramp up. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean. If I'm going to predict what this team's going to do, I'm going to predict that they're going to run the table in the Big Ten, they're going to win the Big Ten championship, and they're going to make the college ball playoff because that's what they should do. I mean, you're talking about – I mean, right now you, you've got everybody back except maybe Sean Wade. We, we don't know about that. But, you know, I mean, this is the most talented team in the Big Ten. I mean, you got, first and foremost, you got Justin Fields. That's not a question. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got Justin Fields first and foremost, and then you, you just go from there. I mean, this – this team should win every game in the big 10. And I think, you know, I, I think this is a team and it's a coaching staff that, I mean, you know, I, I want to look at this from both sides because it, it, this is a reality. There is no margin for error. If you're only playing nine games, one loss, you're out. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really think there's any question about that. I mean, I, you especially know, I, when Ohio state's going to be favored against every team it's not like they're going to face Alabama or Clemson in the regular season even if it's a Michigan or a Penn State Ohio State should be beating those teams this season especially when you know this is going to like you said it's going to be an eight game regular season yeah I mean you know I mean I think certainly if you're the Big Ten like I think you mean the simplest way to do this the simplest way to do this if you're a CFP would be to just say we're taking if if we assume the Pac-12 is not going to be able to get back in here, and they they seem like today now they're starting to realize like oh crap we we maybe we maybe need to speed up our timeline, but I don't know if they can. So I mean, if you have four Power Fives playing, then you could just make it that simple and say, you know, it's going to be the four four Power Five champs, uh, and and maybe that gives you a little bit of leeway. But but still, when you're only playing an eight game schedule, there's a good chance if you lose one game, especially if it's to a Michigan or a Penn State you know, that could be the game that keeps you out of the Big Ten Championship game. So you really, you have to 100% go into this season saying there's no margin for error. We have to win every game because, uh, you know, I think if you lose one, you know, now, okay, if you're, you know, you're seven and one, eight and one, and now you've got this SEC runner up that's 10 and one, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that that decision is going to go in your favor. I think you've really got to go undefeated. And, and leave no doubt that you belong in if you want to get the benefit of it out in this situation. So uh, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Ohio State, but I also think this is a team that can handle that pressure. Uh, I think this is a team that's going to understand what's on the line here. 
I mean, I mean, this is the reason why Ohio State has fought so hard uh, to have a season this fall. So they have no excuse to, to, to go into any of these games, any of this season, at anything but being prepared because you've got extra time to prepare for this season. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be all Big Ten teams. You don't know exactly what that schedule is going to look like yet, but it's going to be familiar opponents. You just got, you've got to go into this season understanding we have to win every game. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, we saw it last year. They, they showed last year they could do it. They could just take care of business and, and do what they needed to do every week in the Big Ten. We'll see if they can do it again this year. Yeah, I, and that's where the thing is, like, this whole offseason has been totally unconventional. I don't know how it will affect certain teams. Like, when you think about Ohio State, I, I know I've said it months ago that I do think Ohio State, you know, it's it's prepared for this offseason probably better than most teams because, you know, you're, you're keeping the offense intact. You're keeping your – you have a returning starting quarterback in Justin Fields. You have a strength coach in Mickey Marotti that people around the country and people in Columbus think super highly of. And, yeah, you have a lot of turnover on the defense. Kerry Combs is coming in. It seems like, you know, what Ryan Day has said is he wants to implement a, a similar defense to what Ohio State ran, or if, if not the outright same defense. Um, so I think that the basics there are going to be really similar, and, and that's not going to be a that's not going to be a gigantic um, deal for the defense. And I, and sure, I have my I have my questions on that side of the ball, but I think Ohio State is probably you know they're 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 as prepared as any team can be for for this type of um, this type of moment. Um, and you know, with that in mind, I do think that that you know the margin for error is something that they can they can traverse and they can come out on top. The 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 tough thing for them, it's like this is a pandemic. And when we look at some of the protocols that are in place, there are some things that are going to be outside of their control. Like what happens, I don't know, if Justin Fields gets a sub delivered to him by from Subway and accidentally catches COVID from some delivery guy and all of a sudden he has to sit out 21 days, which is now mandated by the Big Ten. Like, like these are the questions that are absurd to even talk about. And like you don't even really want to put – players names to them because like I don't want to wish anybody gets sick at the same time we're supposed to analyze football and the football implications of some of these rules are gigantic and they're team changing they, like if you have a game plan to face if Michigan's coming to face Ohio State and then all of a sudden you learn at the last minute that Ohio State doesn't have Justin Fields like that's a that's a gigantic deal imagine if I don't know. You don't have Sean Wade on that defense. All of a sudden, if Sean Wade decided to come back, then all of a sudden he had to miss it 21 days because he tested positive for COVID. Like these are the things that can, you know, derail a team for one game. And we're talking about the on-field margin for error. I do think Ohio State is more talented than every team. But when you talk about the off-field margin for error too, that's stuff that, you know, I think Ohio State feels really good about its ability to handle um, and, and its ability to not prevent or, or to prevent you know, mass outbreaks on the team, but it's also you're taking chances because who knows what's going to happen. I mean, you can prevent coronavirus as much as you can, and, and you know, they're going – I'm sure that they're going to want to keep the players locked in to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center doing as much as they can within the facilities, but at the same time, you're going to sleep outdoors. Like You're going to sleep out at your apartment. You're going to go – you're probably going to go see – someone who doesn't have a mask like once, even if it's accidental and who knows what can happen. Like the, the on-field implications of some of these protocols, I do think are, are pretty massive. And, and it's, and I'm just not sure what it'll look like um, 
once we actually see it in play this fall. Yeah, it, it is uncomfortable to talk about, but it's it's here. It's reality. Yeah, it so is. I think we, we have to talk about it. And if and if you're Ryan Day, I mean, if you're any of the coaches, you have to talk about it because yeah. you do. I mean, I mean, if you're Ohio State, you got to go into this season feeling good about who your backup quarterback is. Yeah, no pressure, Corey Dennis, but like whoever is your backup, whether it's a fifth-year senior who has like four passes thrown in Ohio State history or it's a true freshman, that dude better be able to go beat Michigan because yeah. that's what's on the line. Yeah, I mean, we had talked about this months ago, but, like, now it's here. Like, yeah. depth is going to be more important this season than it's ever been. So, and, and you got you got to be prepared for that. I mean, you, you just have to understand that. That's the reality that you could easily lose any player at any time for three weeks. You, you have to be prepared for that reality. So, you, you got to have good backups. Because, mo- mo- like, I mean, most likely you're not going to get through this season without losing key players at some point. You're, you're most likely not. I think the, the positive is, I think, with the Big Ten being able to secure daily rapid antigen testing, I think, I, I think, I mean, we don't know until it actually happens, but I think that is huge in terms of preventing the mass outbreaks that you worry about derailing a season altogether. Because I think if you can... You know, if you're testing guys before they ever come into that facility every day and you're able to get those results rapidly, then you can isolate those positives before they ever get on the practice field. And if, if that works the way it's supposed to, if you're able to do that, then I, then I think you'll have a good chance of being able to, to prevent issues where an entire position group gets sick or something like that. Because I mean, or, what are, or really, no, the bigger issue with that is even contact tracing. It's, it's beyond the, the other players testing positive. It's the fact that, you know, if this player is around all the other players, then all of a sudden those players will have to go and quarantine. And who knows? They could, I don't know what, you know, if they'd have to miss a game, miss two games. I don't really know what the protocol would be in that scenario. But with this, it sort of eliminates that, that, concern about contact tracing and really wiping out total position groups and it's more of an individual basis and 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 honestly like that's where I think that this makes a whole lot of sense um I I'm someone who like I've been very cautious um throughout the whole pandemic dating back to March um and I haven't been you know one on the front lines being gung-ho about like it's ridiculous that they're not playing college football in a pandemic I mean I know that there are a lot of people who are saying that and I understand it. Um, But I did think that it was important for them to put in, you know, sensible protocols. And honestly, I, I, that's what I think that this is. Um, There are some parts that are a little uncomfortable, you know, where they talk about, um, you know, they're going to see what the, uh, they're going to have a cardiac database um, where it seems like, I don't know. It seems like the players are a little bit guinea pigs for, for, you know, some of the effects of of what happens to someone um, and and their heart um, who has Corona, who tests positive for coronavirus. That's, I don't know, a little bit weird to me, but I think altogether, I think this is about as good as you can do um, in in college football. And I do think the big 10 should be commended for that. Even if this process has been dreadful, it's been terrible. um, And, 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 you know, even if I think that the if I think the protocols right now are solid, I think the last five month the last five weeks of silence, the prior six months where they had a chance to put in a plan, I, I don't forget about that. They totally bungled that, and the fact that they're not starting until October twenty fourth is because of that. 
Um, so I don't forget about that, but I do think right now the plan that they have when it comes to the medical aspect, I do think is, I do think is, is pretty solid. Yeah. I agree with you on all that really. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's too simple to say, see this plan and go, Oh, well, that's why they didn't say anything for the last five weeks. And, you know, this was the plan all along and, you know, this could work out great. And maybe it's on a better. I mean, I, I think that's too simple because I, I, I do think, you know, the lack of communication over the last five weeks was, was clearly a problem. I mean, just the, the division within the conference with these vocal factions, you know, making these arguments public with one another, you know, players suing the league and stuff like that. I mean, that stuff's not supposed to happen. And, and, and that's an indictment. Of, of poor communication that's an indictment of, of failing to give sufficient answers because re- I mean I mean you just think about the fact that two days ago Sean Wade had so little confidence that this season was going to happen that he decided I can't wait anymore I got to opt out Wyatt Davis I mean same thing five days ago I mean Wyatt Davis has now said he's going to opt back in he may have to jump through hoops just to be able to play because he opted out that's how little confidence he had five days ago that the Big Ten was going to find a way to make this work. So that's absolutely an indictment of the Big Ten for failing to communicate with these guys, failing to give them any reason for confidence that this thing was going to happen. I, you know, I, I, I think that the Big Ten, you know, I, I think without actually confirming, making a firm announcement, I think there were absolutely ways that they could have communicated better with players and coaches to assure them that, hey, this is what we are working toward, and at least give them some idea. I mean, I think there was absolutely a better way to go about it in that regard. But, you know, I I also do think it's legitimate that I think the protocols that are in place now simply weren't going to be in place if, if they started the season when they were supposed to, I mean, they just weren't the the daily testing, the cardiac MRI, stuff like that. Those are important things to have in place to reduce the risk of something horrible happening to these players. And I think by pushing things back, they were able to make that a a reality. So I think, yeah, yeah. The, the issue there is that they pushed it back to the winter slash spring and they didn't actually push it back to where they have now pushed it back to. They only pushed it back there after a total uproar um, from basically everybody um, forced them to. Correct. Correct. (laughs) I mean, and I think, you know, I, I think when they did this, they absolutely, what they absolutely wanted to do, was just push this thing back and it would have given them more time to really, you know, roll out these plans. I think, you know, and again, I mean, again, I I do think, you know, they deserve some praise because essentially these plans that they likely would have spent three or four months formulating, they did in five weeks because they had to. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, I mean, we're going to be talking about this for years about how this whole situation unfolded and, you know, I mean, I, I, I still am of the opinion that if they would have just delayed it in the first place, some of this stuff still would have been possible. And you, you still could have started the season earlier if you would have, you know, if you would have just delayed, if you wouldn't have been so conservative in terms of just taking it off the table, if you would have just dialed things back, pushed things back a little bit, you know, I think you could be playing in two weeks right now instead of five. So I, I mean, I think, you know, that's absolutely, you know, fair criticisms of the league that, 
you know, they didn't necessarily handle this thing the right way. But, you know, I, I do think the protocols that are in place now are a lot better than they would have been if they hadn't postponed this thing in the first place. And, you know, that is why they postponed it in the first place. Yeah, you know what's funny, and, and it's something I've been thinking about, is, like, if they had actually done what sort of I thought that they should do is spend six months um, thinking about, you know, what you would do in case you play in the fall, and if not, what you would do if you play in the winter or spring. Say they had done that, and instead of, you know, announcing – on whatever early day in August, I forget the specific day, I think it was the 5th or 6th, that, you know, this whole season is postponed to the winter or spring. We're not playing this fall. Instead of just doing that and not having a single plan, if they actually had a really well thought out plan of what they're doing in the winter or spring, I actually don't know that they would be playing right now. It's almost like the total incompetence of them to not have a plan for the winter or spring got it to the point where they're sitting, you know, weeks later being like, wait a second, we don't have anything we're doing in the winter or spring. Is it actually still possible to play in the fall? And they actually got to the point where it's like, yeah, you know, if you had sort of delayed it, like a lot of people were calling for, um, then it would have made sense that, that you know, you could get to, the po- get to this point at a, you know, at sort of a normal process. But the fact that they didn't have a plan, it almost sort of helped um, them sort of transition from that, uh, winter or spring view back to playing in the fall. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was just some, something I was thinking about. It's, like, it's almost like incompetence helped a fall season. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's partially true. I mean, I think, you know, two other things. I mean, one, I think when the Big Ten made that decision, they absolutely thought everybody was going to ultimately postpone. Yes, I think they, yes, absolutely. they absolutely didn't think that ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC were going to make it work. And when those conferences – didn't back down and they said, we're going to go, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play. I think that forced the big Ten's hand to, to have to, to have to reverse course because you know, that, that winter spring season just wasn't going to be satisfactory. They weren't going to have the chance to compete your compete for national championship. It was going to be a total consolation season that was meaningless. And so I think that forced their hand to have to reverse course. And then somehow, some way, I just don't think that the Big Ten expected the kind of backlash that they were going to get. I, I really don't. I think I think that they thought when this thing started that you know people were just going to understand like it's a pandemic, it, it's too dangerous to play, uh, and people were just going to accept it. And and I mean that clearly did not happen. And and I mean look like, if you want like like there's so many different factors in this, but I think like to to try to oversimplify it and say there's one reason why this happened would just not be true. Cause I think there were a lot of different factors that make it happen. And like, do I think like the parents like going out and doing protests and making it clear how much they, they disagreed with the decision. Do I think the Nebraska players suing the conference? Do I think Justin Fields starting the position? Do I think all of that at least played a small factor into why we are where we are today? I do. I absolutely do. Because I think, I think the just amount of backlash that they received and, how clear people made it that they wanted to play this, this fall and that, you know, they were just not going to accept or be happy with anything other than a fall season. Uh, I do think that is definitely part of a reason why we are where we are right now. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, he, like I've seen a couple of people, you know, sort of posit that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily what the players um, said or wasn't what the parents said. 
you know, you see all these legal people getting involved. You see lawyers getting involved. You see politicians getting involved. But here's my thing on that. Like those people wouldn't be getting involved without the mob pushing them to get involved. And I think that once the ball sort of started to roll, it really seemed like that ball wasn't going to stop and until it got some answers. And at some point, I think that that ball and I, I think that ball was just too hard to ignore if you're the big 10. And also like the medical advances did matter. And I know that there are people who are you know, originally being like, there's no chance that, you know, coronavirus had anything to do with this. This was all political. This was all such and such, you know, there, there are people, you know, making it into other issues. And I'm not saying that it was a hundred percent medical. I'm not saying it was a hundred percent anything, but to say that, but to think that COVID had nothing to do with it. Um, I think that that was foolish from the get go. Um, and I think it was proven foolish because these medical protocols are pretty stringent. Like these aren't anything to play around with teams, teams programs around the big 10 are going to have to, um, adhere to, adhere to these, um, throughout the season or else something bad is going to happen to the team and that either it's going to get pulled off the field or you're going to get key players lost for, for three weeks at a time. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a fascinating thing to cover, Dan. And I just got to say like, this is going to be chaos this fall, but I don't care because this chaos is going to be somehow like more reasonable and more sane chaos to me than the last five weeks that have just, you know, just been mind numbing. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like you said, I mean, you're talking about all the different factors. Like I said before, like, you can't just oversimplify this and just say it's all about one thing, or it's not about one thing. The postponement was because of a lot of different factors, and coming back now is because of a lot of different factors. There's, a whole, there's so many different factors that go into it. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, do, I do think the number one factor in all of it was they didn't feel like they could play safely five weeks ago. And I do think they, they've gotten to a point where they feel like that can be done now. I do think that was the number one factor, but I think it was one of many factors, you know? And so, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if you're one of these people who's claiming it was never about COVID and COVID's not serious and they should have just been playing all along, I think that's foolish. I think if you're writing a column saying this is the darkest day in Big Ten history, I that's also think you're ridiculous. foolish because – I get because it being, isn't. Because <laughs> and look, it's wrong. Like, I'm with you. Like you talked about it before. Like I, I've I've tried to stay in a middle ground on this. I, I'm not one of. I am far from a COVID denier. I am. I am definitely not one of those people who's who's saying it's not serious. But I'm also not one of those people who's saying we should just shut down everything. It's too dangerous. Like I'm. I'm somewhere very much in the middle on this. And like. You know, I, I'm gonna be like when they made the original decision. Like I, I'm like maybe this is the right decision. Like maybe in a couple of weeks we'll realize this was the right decision. Over the past five weeks, as I saw other college football teams playing without any major issues, all these other sports playing without any major issues, I felt pretty confident the Big Ten could find a way to make this this happen. And again, is there a possibility that something goes horribly wrong? There is. There is. I, I don't want to deny that. And and, and also, but I, I, I should. I just want to say, like, there have been major issues. Like, we heard Ed Ogeron say the other day, like, he thinks, like, most of his team had coronavirus. Like, that's crazy. And I can't imagine that happening in the Big Ten and the Big Ten going forward with the season. I, I really no, can't. I agree with that. Um, so, I, there have been significant issues with it. But I think that these protocols 
make it so that that wouldn't happen in the Big Ten. And I think that that's the key thing is like, is this 100% safe? Like, will will, will 0% of all Big Ten athletes get coronavirus? No, no one thinks that. But you also can't expect that. But is this stringent enough that it prevents the spread of it and it doesn't make the pandemic worse? I, I do think that that's what it does. And and also not allowing fans to make, makes that, you know, makes that happen too. Because if I'm being honest, like I think it's a little bit crazy that you're bringing in tens of thousands of people when I guess technically, you know, if they spread coronavirus, that's not really technically on U.S. university, but it does seem like pretty bad public health decision, at least in that's my a, opinion. I don't that, know. No, that's a really good point. That's a really good point because I do, I, I do think, you know, that was absolutely a factor in all of this as well. And like you said, I mean, there's no way you can 100% guarantee it's safe, but you can't guarantee it with football ever. I mean, you're playing football. I mean, it's a sport. Bad things happen sometimes. So I, I think to me, like with everything that's in place now, I don't view COVID as some risk that's far higher than just the risk of playing football in general. Um, but I think that's a really good point you make about, you know, the public health aspect of it, because I do, I think the way you're doing it, you know, you're testing these guys every day and, and you're not bringing fans to the stadium. You know, you, you, I mean, first of all, like if you're an Ohio State football player right now and you're serious about winning a national championship, you are going to follow these protocols as strictly as you possibly can for the next four months because you know if I get it, I'm out for three weeks. So if you want to play football this fall, you are going to know you need to do everything you are being told to do. You need to be extremely careful about what you do for the next four months because you do not want to get COVID. You do not want to be out for three weeks. So I think, you know, that's going to encourage the players uh, to do what they're supposed to do to limit their interactions with everyone else outside of their team. Uh, you, you're not, and you're not going to have fans. And I mean, I think you can even like for public health issue, I think you could see that when Gene Smith was about to get off the zoom call today and he made a plea to the media to spread the word about uh, fans being careful about holding watch parties and stuff this year. I think that told you right there, like how concerned they are about the public health perception of it. If fans are holding big parties and those turn into super spreader events. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think they're still concerned about that fact, even if it's not directly on their hands, because the fans aren't going to be in the stadium. They're still concerned about the perception that could come with, hundreds of Ohio state fans packing into a bar to watch a game and getting sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And like, there, there are a ton of interesting aspects of it. And, and, and I don't know, like, I'm, I'm glad that we reached the end of this and I'm glad that we know exactly what their policy is. And honestly, like, I'm glad that I think that the protocols are okay um, to move forward with. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Um, and um and talk a little bit about football, which I think we can do, Dan, since, you know, football's back. I feel like we should probably talk about Ohio State potentially getting its All-American guard back after leaving Ohio State less than one week ago and potentially getting um, a first-round quarterback back, which, I don't know, seems like it's at least a possibility in Sean Wade. But I guess let's just start with Wyatt Davis, Dan, because like when, when, when he declared for the draft – like the timing was a little bit weird because it seemed like at the time that, you know, there was some momentum for Ohio state and the big 10 to actually start playing football this fall. Um, 
And his comments were sort of, to me at least, it felt like he didn't have nearly as much confidence in that than I did, even though like it felt like at least the tide was shifting at the time when he made that decision. So, Dan, as we sit here today, like what do you think about sort of the past few days of Wyatt Davis and, and why he did that initially and, and, and how he changed his mind so quickly? Yeah, I think it's a glimpse into just how how taxing this has been on the players mentally and just how just how sick they got of waiting because yeah, I mean, you know, I I think like to me logically in my head, like when these guys made their announcements, in my head I'm thinking, why do this right now? You you've waited all this time and the Big 10 finally looks like it's close to making a decision. Why do you do this now? Why not just wait and see what they say next week? But I think those guys in their head, like they, they were just at the point that like we've been hearing for so long. And honestly, I think part of it's the dangers of social media. Like I think talking to yeah. Sean Wade on Monday and he brought up the, the thought that there was going to be a vote on Sunday. Nobody had confirmed there was going to be a vote on Sunday. That was just speculation. But even that speculation was enough for when it didn't happen on Sunday for Sean Wade to get to the point that he lost confidence that a season was going to happen. And, and I don't know. And, and we don't know about Sean Wade yet as of right now. You know, he said Wednesday on sports center that he hasn't made a decision yet. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to be back. I, I, I'm not really overly confident in that direction. Um, I think it's possible. Um, he'll make that decision uh, on his time here, probably at some point in the next couple of days. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think that, you know, these guys, I think they just got to that point where, you know, like, like, you know, Sean talked about like, you know, calling Ryan Day on Sunday night and asking him if he thought it was going to happen and Ryan Day telling him, I don't know. And like, when you've been waiting for a month and you're a guy who's about to be a first round NFL draft pick next year and you're at home, you know, those guys, those guys haven't been on campus. So this is something they were clearly thinking about all along and you've just been waiting and waiting like at, at some point. I mean, I told you guys before, like last night, like I was at the point where I was just so sick of this thing. I can understand where the players' heads were at, that after a month of waiting on this, you would just get to the point where you say, you know what? I, I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. I just, I just want to move on. And I think that's the point that both of those guys got to. Yeah, and I'm not going to go on another rant about, you know, the Big Ten. It would be nice if they said anything, but like, that would have been helpful for in this regard for a, you know, an all American and a potential first round pick to know whether you are even considering this, whether there's a realistic possibility. I mean, you go onto their site and it's just an unbelievable sort of montage of, of, of five press releases in a row where it's like, we're going to a 10 game season. Don't start practicing. Season's canceled. No, the season is still canceled. Stop asking. And then, the season starting in November to see those five press releases side by side is sort of staggering, but it does sort of speak to the absurdity of the past five or six weeks. Um, you know, for Wyatt Davis in particular, Dan, like, like I obviously it's a big deal to get back a first team all American guard. Like how much does this really mean for Ohio state? Like how much of a big, how much of a big deal is this to them? Where on the offense, where in the team do you think that this matters most? I mean, I, he's I mean a, listen, he's a right guard. He's not a quarterback. Yeah. But he's also an All-American. Like, yeah, I think it's I – th- I mean, I think it's a big deal. Because, I mean, again, I mean, you're talking about probably the best guard in the country. So, I think 
I mean, you, you, I mean, you talked about, I mean, you've talked about it before. I mean, you are very confident that this is going to be the best offensive line in the country. You are an enormous believer in this offensive line. I you know, it would have been nice. It would have been nice if he actually stayed opted out because then they, they wouldn't have had to hold me to that opinion. But now I, I have, I've actually got to prove that. I got to back that up after writing that and talking about that for the last, what, eight months. Yeah. I mean, I think Wyatt Davis is absolutely a guy you want to have. He absolutely uh, improves your chances of, of, winning a national championship, especially with all the other guys you have. Because, I mean, you get, you know, you've got Thayer Munford, Josh Myers, who are also returning starters. Harry Miller, it just seems like everyone just assumes he's going to be great because he just yep. – uh, and we already know he's great on social media, by the way. Uh, that's that's a topic for another day. Uh, but Harry Miller's tweets. If you have not seen Harry Miller's tweets, you got to go to his Twitter and just watch some of his videos because they are incredible. Um, and then right tackle, whether it's Nicholas Petit-Frere, Paris Johnson, Dewan Jones – it seems like they've got great options there. So, you know, I, I think, you know, having him back, you absolutely could have the best offensive line in the country. I think it's huge to have him back. But I think they would have been okay. I think if Wyatt Davis didn't return, I think they would have been okay. I think, you know, my guess is it would have been Matthew Jones. Um, you know, maybe it would have been Anoke Vamahi. Maybe it would have been Gavin Cup. I, I think they would have been okay. I think they've got enough talent on that offensive line that, like, you would have, you would have found somebody to fit into that slot and I think you would have been fine. You know, I look at a Sean Wade. Like, if Sean Wade doesn't come back, that definitely hurts your chances because you will have no returning starters in your secondary. And while I think Seven Banks is talented and Cam Brown's talented and, you know, Marcus Williamson's a guy that I think really wants to have a big year and Josh Proctor at safety, you know, he's got star potential. Tyree Johnson's a guy who was a five-star recruit. They've got talent back there, but they don't have anybody that's proven back there. So I think getting Sean Wade back is really important uh, to, to their defense. And if they, if they don't get him back, Kerry Combs is going to have one heck of a job for his first year back at Ohio State. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. Because, I mean, Wyatt Davis, is a, it's a huge deal to get him back. Um, but that offensive line, even without a Wyatt Davis, you're putting in someone who you, you would hypothetically put in either a fifth-year senior in Gavin Cup or a guy in Matthew Jones who's a third-year who was a former top 100 recruit and also the top ranked center recruiting class. So like, listen, it would have been a, it obviously whoever you have is not as good as Wyatt Davis, but I do think with the rest of that offensive line, you're probably okay. And, and obviously the caveat to that is I think that I think offensive line, it's so hard to have an, it's so hard to have just an awesome offensive line because you need five really good offensive linemen. You, if you have one guy on the offensive line, who's, who's not very good then all of a sudden you can sort of get picked apart just by having one, one, you know, subpar player. So I think having him back, you don't, you don't, one, there's not really a question mark there. And two, obviously you have perhaps the best guard in America there, but you do make the good point, which is if Sean Wade is gone and, and, and I do think, like you said, I think more than likely he's gone, but I have no idea. 2020 is crazy. I don't know what happened in the last five or six weeks. I don't even want to try and predict whether Sean Wade's gone or not. I just assume he's, he's probably gone since he said he's gone. But if he's gone, they have four cornerbacks who aren't true freshmen. And for a guy in Kerry Combs who likes to rotate cornerbacks, and for a defense that Ryan Day had last year, which he hopes to have again this year, that starts three cornerbacks – that's a problem. And like, I, like you, you have to say that that's a problem. That's not like, you can't just, you can't just gloss over this at all. That is a big deal for Ohio state to not have a single starting cornerback back from a defense 
that one loses Chase Young. So you don't have that pass rusher up front that makes it easier on the defensive backs. You don't have the Jordan Fuller, who's the guy in the back, who I think is was totally underrated last year in what Ohio State wanted to do with its defense. And to have turnover at both those spots, it would be nice to have three really good cornerbacks. Ohio State has three question marks at cornerbacks. And I don't like I'm not gonna gloss over that. I think that that's the biggest issue on this entire team if Sean Wade is still gone. I mean, I think I said that way back in February before any of us started, but I thought the secondary yeah, it was, was the biggest, the biggest issue concern. with Sean Wade. Yeah, so I mean <laughs> yeah, I mean it, there's no doubt. Like I mean I mean to me, I mean I think it's absolutely possible that if you don't get Sean I mean, even if Sean Wade, but especially if he's gone, yeah. It, do I think there's a, a very real possibility that issues in the secondary could be what costs Ohio State a national championship? I do. I do. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I just, I just, I'm just being honest. And that's nothing against Kerry Combs. It's nothing against those guys. But replacing four starters in a secondary in one year is really difficult. And, and Especially when three of them are first-round picks. Like, this was the right. defense that was, like – and, I, and the more I look back at it, I feel like I should write this. I think last year's defense might have been the best defense that I've ever seen. Like, it might have been the best defense in Ohio State history, and it didn't really get talked about that way. I think it might have been true. And to lose three quarterbacks plus the two-and-a-half-year starting safety, who was also the team captain, who had, like, a 7.9 grade point average, like, that is that is no small deal. And, you know, it helps that pass rush when you got Chase Young up there, too. And, it does, you know, Chase, yeah. Chase, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe Zach Harrison will be the next Chase Young, but that's a, that's a lot to ask of somebody, so – uh yeah i mean you know again these are things we get to talk about again isn't that nice that we like actually get to uh it, it's yeah, weird it. it's weird that we're in september and that we still got a month of talking about what we're gonna see instead of what we're actually seeing but it, it's a heck of a lot better than what we've been talking about yeah no i i, I agree with that and I guess it's a weird thing to, you know, on this day that I think so many people are excited about to even be talking about something that might stop them from getting a national championship. But, like, that's sports. Like, if, it, if football is back or we got to talk football, and Ohio State might have just lost a first-round quarterback. So there's, there, there's no reason to, to not talk about that. Well, let's talk about something positive then. Because five weeks ago, when we learned the decision was canceled, I, mean, I think one of our first thoughts for both of us was, we just missed out on seeing a second year Justin Fields. We just missed out on seeing Justin Fields potentially win a Heisman Trophy and Justin Fields potentially become one of the greatest players in Ohio State history. And now all of that's back on the table. So, I mean, if you're just talking about an on-field reason to be excited about what happened today, it starts right there with QB1. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Justin Fields, I know I tweeted this in the morning right when it happened, I think Justin Fields could go down a legend. If this, if this season plays out the way that he wants it to play out. Because you have a guy who came to Ohio State, literally said on his first interview when he was on campus, this is a business decision. I'm here because Ryan Day was in the NFL. He knows how to get quarterbacks to the NFL. This is – he is not – he never came to Ohio State because he loved the Buckeyes. He had no connection to Ohio State at all. Ohio State was the vehicle that he was going to use to get himself to the NFL. And that was perfectly fine on Ohio State's part. Ohio State had no care in the world at all it cared about was that it got a guy who they thought might be a stud at quarterback. And his first season, 41 touchdowns, three interceptions. We spent the offseason wondering if it was going to be a little bit, you know, difficult for Justin Fields to get involved in the offense and sort of get up to speed as his first year as a starter. It was a total opposite of that. It looked like the easiest thing in the world to him. And then, the then, then you know, obviously he comes up short to Heisman, comes up short in the playoff. 
And the whole offseason was set up to be, you know, here's Justin Fields back again at Ohio State for one more year. Can he get over the hump? And then a pandemic hits in March, and all of a sudden everything's canceled. We're like, all right, uh, I think Justin Fields is going to play again. I think he's going to play again. And then once the summer hits, you're like, I don't know that Justin Fields is going to play again. Justin Fields doesn't have to play again, but Justin Fields is going to play again for whatever reason, because he likes Ohio State, because he likes his teammates, because he likes the situation, because he enjoys his experience at Ohio State. And he might go win a Heisman and win the national championship for Ohio State when he didn't, when he doesn't need to play. And like, that's a legend to me. Like, that's crazy to me. He doesn't have to do this. He's been front and center this whole time about trying to get Ohio State back on the field. It's sort of crazy to me. And and he deserves he deserves to be commended for that. And and I also sort of, like it's totally reasonable to say, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you should probably sit out. And he never he never wanted to do that. He always wanted to play this fall. It's funny because we we were coming up with all these ideas of things we would do for this fall, you know, before you know the decision got reversed. And one of them we we started doing last week was a series called Four Kings and Eleven Warriors, where we're uh, looking at the four <coughs> best players at every position in Ohio State history. And now we're probably going to uh, do the rest of that series sometime in 2021, because now we've got an actual football season to write about. But the one position we did was quarterbacks. And I think like we're just going to have to restart it next year, because Justin Fields, if he has the kind of year he's capable of, is probably going to be one of the four best quarterbacks in Ohio State history next year. So we might just have to do a revo. Hey, that sounds familiar. We might just have to do a revo whenever we restart this series in the future uh, and, and give Justin Fields a chance to make that list, because yeah, I think a lot of people did not vote for him thinking, you know, he was just going to be a one year starter and it was just going to be unfortunate. He was not going to get that chance to truly complete his Ohio state legacy. But, but now, uh, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if he has the kind of year, I mean, it, it's weird. Like when you talk about the Heisman and stuff, like I, I don't know how it's going to work. Cause like, Trevor Lawrence is going to have these extra games. His numbers are going to be bigger. You're going to have to look at like per game numbers. If you're going to make it fair, uh, he, he's got a head start on you. A lot of these other guys got a head start on you. So I don't know if that's going to hurt him in that, that race, but you know, either way, I mean, if, if Ohio state is a great season and, and, and he has a great season, I mean, we could at the end of this year be talking about Justin Fields as the greatest quarterback in Ohio state history. And I'm glad however it unfolds that we're going to get a chance to see that because uh, you know, it, it would have been, it, it would have been one of those enormous what ifs in Ohio state history of what could Justin Fields have been this year if we didn't get to see it. Yeah. I think he's the most talented quarterback to ever play for Ohio state, but I don't know that he, I don't know that he would have made my Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks at Ohio state, if that made sense, because he fell short of the championship and he fell short of the Heisman and he was only at, Ohio State for one year you come back in this fashion when you don't have to and you're Justin Fields and I have no doubt that he's going to play awesome this season I mean if, if you do what I think you're going to do then you're going to find yourself at the panth- in, in the pantheon of Ohio State greats four kings Colin four kings but I, I actually I'll be honest I I did vote for Justin Fields because I, I do think I mean if you're just talking about one season like I do think yeah. he's one of the best four quarterbacks in Ohio State well, history no but see that's the difference like I think he's one of the best four I don't know that his resume necessarily stacked up to the others and I think that that's where to me he was on the edge and I don't know I think I might have voted him like quickly just as like I just want to see the results <laughs> but when I went back and thought about who I'd actually like 
put some thought into and, and vote for, he wasn't one of my four. But listen, I still think he's the best. Uh, he's the most talented to play for Ohio State, and, and I do think that he can sort of cement himself potentially as the greatest to play um, this this season. Who else are you really excited that we get a chance to watch this fall? Can we do that in the three things we think? Because I don't even yeah. know what I'm going to do. You want to just roll Let's just roll. Right let's now? just do three things right. we think right now. Because here's the thing. I haven't really had time to think. So I I'm just going to talk about like I'm gonna, three things I'm looking yeah, forward to. I'm doing to. them off the top of my head as well. So yeah. We're three things we page. think is obviously are, are really There's a lot well of things I'm out. thinking, but no, I, didn't, yeah. I did not do any prep for it. Yeah, It's our well-thought-out segment where we just talk about things we're thinking um, I don't think you want inside my head today because it's just been spinning. Um, but I'll just say, like, one thing I'm excited for is the all-Georgia backfield with Justin Fields and Trey Sermon because, like, I didn't really – like, there's a point o- over the offseason, um, whether it be a month ago, a few weeks ago, I don't know, where I didn't really think we're going to see them. And, you know, what if Ohio State had played in the winter or spring? Would Trey Sermon have really wanted to do that and play – two seasons and one year as a running back. I don't really know because obviously he's going to go to the NFL after this season. I don't. I didn't know that we were going to see either of them play for the Buckeyes again. And to, and to get to see them both playing um, for Ohio State, I think it is going to be fascinating because, like, I have a decent handle on what Ohio State has with Trey Sermon. And at the same time, I say that, like, I feel like I have no idea. Like, I think Trey Sermon is going to be pretty good. I don't think he's going to be as good as J.K. Dobbins. And I also have no idea, like, if I'm just totally wrong and he's actually going to be – he's just going to come out of the shoots and, and be awesome for them. I mean, he's going to be running alongside Master Teague with Justin Fields in the backfield as well and behind an offensive line that I hammered home that I think is going to be awesome. Um, and I am just excited for the fact that we're actually going to get to see that backfield in action. Yeah, I think – you know, I think the interesting thing, too, is like I think the last time we were really talking about this from a football perspective, I think at that point we were both under the impression that like most likely we weren't going to see a full-speed, healthy Master Teague this year. But, like, talking to his dad, like, based on everything I've heard, sounds like Master Teague is good to go. And now he's got a whole, you know, almost two extra months before the start of the season. So I expect Master Teague to be out there. I, I expect him to be playing. So I'm really intrigued to see how they're going to use those two I know I think it will be some combination. I don't I don't think it's gonna be like last year where JK took the majority of care. I think it's gonna be I think they're both gonna play a lot, but I'm really I'm really intrigued to see how those two complement each other. I, I think I think they have the potential, you know, to be a really, really good running back tandem. Mm-hmm. All right. What's what's your first thing, Dan? Um you know, I, I, I think, you know, it, it's interesting. Um this is you know, I, I was watching a little bit of the Clemson game on Saturday night and uh, it was watching Brian, Brian Breesey and Miles Murphy both playing on Clemson's defensive line as true freshmen and seeing them both like making an immediate impact, you know, because I, I think I was kind of of the impression like of how weird this off season has been that like, we're probably going to see less freshmen do things this year just because they didn't have this normal off season. But then to see that it's like, mm, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe if these dudes are, you know, dudes are just talented. Like they're going to come in in ball. So like, I'm really interested to see, you know, what is a Julian Fleming going to do? You know, what is a, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba going to do, you know, what are, you know, some of these really uh, highly, I mean, Paris Johnson, I mean, he could still be a starting right tackle. And I mean, they certainly need him either way, you know, with everything that's going on just in terms of depth. So uh, I'm really intrigued to see, 
you know, which of those true freshmen can, can really make an impact. And, you know, this next month I think is going to be huge for them. You know, now they really get to ramp up practice, but you've had a little more time now to, 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 to get ready for a season and you don't have to worry about red shirts anymore. So everybody, everybody's going to, everybody's going to get to play. Um, you know, there's two sides of that. I mean, one side is you're playing less games. So some guys, there's just not going to be a lot of playing time to go around, but you don't have to worry about a year of eligibility. So, you know, they're not, they're not going to worry about that. If you're ready to play, you're going to be out there playing. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see, you know, which of those true freshmen can come in and make an immediate impact. Cause I think at least a couple of them will. Yeah. I have no idea how the weird off season is going to help or hurt them. And I presume it'll probably hurt them. Um, just in the fact that, I mean, it hasn't been normal. Like you had guys who we thought were going to be major contributors and, and Julian Fleming and Jetson Smith and Jake Bent, potentially Paris Johnson, who didn't get the full spring. They obviously didn't get the normal off-season workouts that, that you typically would. But also, you know, you've been with the team for a little bit longer than you normally would have. The season's going to be a little bit shorter. Um, you're hypothetically going to get a good amount of, of preseason training camp. I, I don't really know if it'll be different, how much it'll be different, and what ways it'll be different. I think that'll be fascinating to see and, and sort of hear coaches talk about. Um, but, you know, I'm on, I'm on Paris Johnson Island, so I would be, I, I, I am absolutely fascinated to see him play. But, we so know. I, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, you know, but I just need to reiterate that, Dan, sometimes. Um, my number two thing is, like, what the hell are these linebackers going to look like? And are they able to be the best defensive position group on a national championship team? Because that's what I think they're going to need to be. I think that that's a high bar for a group that people have trashed for the last two years, two years ago, understandably, last year, not understandably. Um, and I think that when you got when you have you know returning starters like Pete Warner and Tuck Willen, that's great. But also, you have seven upperclassmen linebackers. And I feel like whenever I've written about them over this offseason, I feel like I've confused myself and thus probably confused readers because I have no idea what they're going to look like. But I also think that they have to be awesome for this defense to be good and for this defense to be able to win a national championship because you have so many concerns in the secondary and you have so much turnover up front um, on the defensive line that I do think that these linebackers have to be really good. I think Pete Warner is going to be awesome. You know, you know I'm going to ride this Pete Warner thing. I, I, I sort of want to predict him as like a – I mean, I did predict him as a top 45 pick. So I, 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 I feel still pretty confident in that. Um, but I also have no idea – even if he's going to play Sam or Will, and if he plays Sam or Will, like whatever, what everyone else on the defense uh, linebacker is going to is going to do, where they're going to play, who's going to be on the field at key times, that's the part that I'm fascinated about. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we we talked about the issues of the secondary. Uh, talking about losing Chase Young and defensive line. Like, I think those linebackers, they they have to be the leader. They have to lead that defense. I mean, they 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 have to be the group that you could absolutely rely on 100 percent of the time on that defense. Uh, and, you know, you should be able to, I mean, you've got a lot of really good players there. You got Pete Warner, tough Borland, Baron Browning, you know, Justin Hilliard, a guy that you're really happy for is going to get a chance to play this fall. You know, I mean, those guys, Taraji Mitchell, uh, Kayvon Pope, Dallas Gant coming up. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of talent in that group. Uh, a lot of really good football players. Yeah. They, they need to be really good. Mm-hmm. What's your second thing? Um, you know, I, I'll say that, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's really going to be interesting just, you know, cause when we, when we talked a month ago about the whole, everybody getting an extra year of, of eligibility and what that would look like, I think at the time we were kind of thinking like, well, there's not going to be a normal fall season. 
now you have one. So like, I'm going to be interested to just to see like how that all plays out at the end of this whole thing. And, and you know, how many guys actually end up taking advantage of that because you're going to have guys like your seniors, you know, they're, they're going to have a chance to play a fall season now. I and mean, they're not going to have a chance to have a senior day in front of fans, but they're still going to have it in Ohio stadium. So, you know, it's, I'm just going to be interested to see like at the end of this whole thing, like how many of those guys actually take advantage of that extra year how many guys actually do that in the end? You know, I think for most of these vast majority of these guys now, you know, we had talked about the guys like a Jonathan Cooper, you know, I think that's a guy like this is going to be his last year. He's, he's going to be ready to move on after this, but it's really good for him that he gets this year. It's really good for a Justin Hilliard that he gets this year. You know, I mean, whatever he does, it's really good for a Marcus Williamson that he gets this year because these are guys that have been waiting for this opportunity uh, and, and may need that big year to legitimize themselves as NFL prospects. So, you know, it, it, it's really good for them that they're going to get this chance. And, you know, my guess is for a majority of those guys, this will be their last year. Uh, but, you know, now they get that chance to really prove it that, you know, whether or not they're NFL prospects instead of just, you know, having to fly blind and make a decision. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out. And I'm definitely – you know, happy for those guys, especially I think those seniors that they're going to get that chance to play this fall. Yeah, that'll be interesting to follow. My my third thing is going to be Drew Chrisman. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good punter as much as anyone. But my third thing is going to be, I mean, it's the thing that I really haven't stopped thinking about recently. I mean, recently, like a lot of the time, a lot of the time this offseason, I've, I, I've, I've been thinking about this, and that's Clemson. There's so much energy spent on Clemson in the first few months of this year, and for obvious and reasonable reasons there wasn't much thought about Clemson in the last you know five months six months of the year um understandable yet at the same time now that football is back I can't help but think about Clemson and the fact that this game might be waiting for Ohio State at the end of the season um and yeah Clemson doesn't have Justin Ross this year what if Ohio State doesn't have Sean Wade I guess that sort of equals it out puts them on another level playing field um but I think I don't know that there will be a weekend this season that I don't think about an Ohio State-Clemson matchup. And I really want that, whether it's in the national championship or the college football semifinal, because <laughs> the amount of hatred from Ohio State fans <laughs> to Clemson and honestly from Ohio State players and, and coaches to Clemson, it, it's pretty clear that they don't love Clemson. Um, there seems to be a mutual respect between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. But I think that to not get over this Clemson hump is eating at Ohio State, and I really want to see them when I do think that they're two of the three best teams in the country this year, and, and a lot of those guys on last year's team for both teams um, are back. I want to see that rematch this fall or, or I guess, January. <laughs> Justin Ross is a really good football player. I'm really sad for him that he doesn't get to play this fall. Uh, I still think it's too generous to say that uh, even playing field of Ohio State was <laughs> a Sean Wade because Clemson's receivers to, are still pretty up. good. Trevor Lawrence is still pretty good, and and I think uh, losing Sean Wade. Uh, oh no no no! I meant I meant you lose a cornerback, the other team loses a wide receiver. No, no I, I I know what you meant, but okay, I, okay, I, okay. I'm just I'm just being honest here. But like, if you take Sean Wade out of that secondary, do I think that secondary is going to have problems against Clemson? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, maybe they prove me wrong in the next few months, but uh, if I'm predict, if I'm looking at that game right now. Like, that would be one reason I'd say, like, I don't know if I was thinking beat Clemson because I'd be worried about that secondary. That's uh, Yeah, listen, so do I. And you know that, like, we've talked about a lot is that 
you know, last season, in a lot of ways, the defense was a huge part of that team and sort of powered that team. And this year, they're going to rely on this offense. Um, and, like, for the Big Ten portion of the schedule, I don't know that, there, that, that any defensive issues are going to be, you know, pop up in, in a huge way. But I do think, like, if you make it to the playoff and you face a team with one of the best quarterbacks in the country and all you've faced to this point is Joe Milton, um, that might be a rough awakening. And, and I do think that, you know, that's where it's going to be a little bit difficult to gauge Ohio State this season, especially in a weird season like this one where things are going to change week to week. Um, but I am glad to get that Clemson energy back and to be able to actually put them on the same table and, and compare them, see what they might be like down the line if they do face each other. Yeah, I mean, I think that's partially true for Clemson, too. It's like in the AC, like, I mean, just watching their opener against Wake Forest, like, it's clear, like, this team is not being challenged right now. And that's going to be the way it is in the majority of those games. Um, so, you know, I think it's kind of true for both of those teams. And I think we all kind of hope we get to see that matchup. But like, I think the everything like kind of go going along with that, too, is it's like I was thinking about this earlier. It's like you have invested so much like into getting that shot to that game. Like if this team has a Purdue or Iowa moment, like, that's going to be absolutely devastating for his team. Like, what happens? Like, I mean, I, I, honestly, like, let's say Ohio State, like, has a really bad loss from regular season, and it's clear they're not going to make the national championship. Does Justin Fields move on? Like, do guys move on? Like, we've had this opt-out wave in college football now. Like, I do wonder, like we talked about earlier, I think this team can handle it. But if you have that one bad loss, if it takes that national championship <laughs> on the table with just the kind of year this has been, how will that, I mean, we didn't see it last year. Like how would this team handle that kind of loss? Like, I don't know. That's probably another conversation for another day, but it's, it's it is one thing I think about like uh, this team's, this team is, I mean, this team, but one thing we know, one thing about one thing that this pandemic has done is it has taken away all the coach speak because typically Typically, Ryan Day would be out there saying, you know, we got a long way to go before we start talking about a national championship. But it's been made very, very clear over the past few months that this team believes it's going to win a national championship. I mean, Ryan Day said he thought it could have been a once-in-a-lifetime team. So that's out there now. That's your expectation now. You, 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 can, you, know, you can say whatever you want. I, I have a feeling over the next month we're going to see some course correction and trying to lower the expectations a little bit. But that's off the table now. You've made it very, very clear that this team, this team's goal, expectation, bar none, is to win the national championship. So that's the expectation you've got to live up to. And I think anything less than that, especially after everything they've gone through, could be absolutely devastating for this team. Well, it's very nice of you to bring up Purdue and Iowa on the same podcast that I bring up um, the, the defense that the secondary might cost them a national championship. So on this celebratory edition of Real Pod Wednesdays, we're just playing to the crowd right now. Keeping it real. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Uh, do you have a Do you have a third thing that you've been thinking about? So that was that probably just should have been my third. Yeah, thing, I know that's what so I was I, sort of thinking. I did. I did. I did have one other that was just going to go off of this, and I was just going to go off to the NFL this past weekend because it was a guy you've talked about in the past. But I don't, and you actually mentioned him earlier. But I don't think he got enough love for his Ohio State career with Jordan Four, and you know, I and he didn't get a lot of love as an NFL draft prospect. Went in the sixth round, 199th pick, same pick as Tom Brady, and he goes out in his first NFL game, and 
he looked great. I mean, he made one of the plays of a game, a really huge fourth down tackle, started at safety in his first NFL game as a sixth-round pick. So I just feel like we got got to give some props to Jordan Fuller because I don't know that anyone was expecting that. When we were talking last week about the NFL guys we were excited to watch, I don't think his name even came up. But props to him, man. He had a, he had a great uh, NFL debut. Uh, you know, I know, you know, someone like Jeff Halfley is not surprised by that, but I think a lot of people probably were. So, you know, good for him to really get his NFL career uh, off to a fantastic start on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, this is one of those times where it's like, maybe I'm just a moron. Because, like, I, I spend so much time saying, like, he was a gigantic part of last season's defense. You can't really run that defense without him. And I never really thought that I would take him seriously as an NFL prospect. And it was really just because of his measurables and, you know, like how fast he is and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. It's one game. I mean, we wrote a story last year after the first Ohio State game that the Ohio State's really getting its tight ends involved. And, you know, they're going out of they're, – they're going under center and, like, what in the world are we thinking right now after one week? So, I guess we, we, we should say it is only one game. But if he can play that way going forward, like, I'm very willing to be wrong because – like Jordan Fuller is one of those guys who comes through who is really good at Ohio State, underappreciated, has the highest GPA on the team, wins all these academic things. And at the same time, like I couldn't help but wonder if, if he was going to really be able to, to carve out a career in the NFL given um, you know, his athleticism. And like, I guess you know, in, in some regard, that's a little bit unfair. But also, like those are the things that you have to take into account. And, and I'm very – very willing to be wrong on him, but um, you're right. It was a it was a spectacular debut for for him as just a sits around pick. We did get a bunch of questions this week. A lot of them were submitted uh, before the announcement came on Wednesday morning, but a lot of them were still applicable. Uh, so I did uh, write down a bunch of those here, and we'll uh, go through them now. Here, uh, first question was from. You know, bring the juice, and this is not a this. If we're talking about the downer questions, this was a how long will this debacle have an effect on Ohio State and the Big Ten for years to come? That one you can guess was was asked on Tuesday night and not today because <laughs> I think the mood's gotten a little bit brighter. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't even really know like how to answer that one at this point. Like, I mean, do I think all is forgiven and all is great now? you know, after the last five weeks, no, like I, I do think there's, I do think there's some collateral damage in all this, uh, you know, but I think specifically for this season, like you're starting later, you have less margin for error, less games, like there's a negative effect to all this, but at the same time, like now that you're playing this fall, do I view this as anything that's going to like destroy the Ohio state or the big 10 for the next five years? I don't know about that. I, I think they'll probably be okay. I, I don't think on Ohio State, I don't think that this will have any effect. I mean, I think Ohio State positioned itself so perfectly in this and that from the beginning, it's like, hey, we're Ohio State. We are for football. And we voted among the only three teams in the conference to vote yes. So all USCC and ACC teams, Clemson, who we're recruiting against, like we want football. Don't try and use the argument that we don't want football. We're going to do whatever it takes to play football. And they ended up playing football this fall. So for Ohio State, I don't really think that this has – any impact on them. I think the Big Ten's a little bit of a different story, but the Big Ten, I don't think that just this incident will be something that you know has an effect on them for years to come. I think what's important is that Kevin Warren learns from this, learns what he did wrong, learns all of this like just massive errors in communication and not having agreement among 
schools and letting them go public and just taking the hits and letting misinformation run wild for five or six weeks in a row and doing absolutely nothing about it and leaving all these players and coaches without any answers, that's on Kevin Warren. And if Kevin Warren doesn't learn from this and something like, I don't know, a pan, not, not a pandemic, but something else pops up and he, and he, he does something like this again, I do think that that would hurt the Big Ten going forward. But he has to learn from this. He has to build better relationships with all the presidents and ADs. And shoot, I would certainly hope that they have better relationships now after going through all this. I'm sure there are certain Brits, certain like fences that he has to mend um, with, with, with presidents and chancellors and athletic departments at various schools. But, but time will heal. Um, and what's important is he figures out to never act like this, never have this happen again. Because yeah, the Big Ten, they look, they, they looked bad in all this. And I think what's funny is like at the, at the time I, I didn't know that if it was the wrong decision to cancel, I thought that there's an entirely reasonable case to make, but they didn't stand by that case. They got, they got rolled over by the public and then they flipped. But also I think the flipping was the okay. It was just the fact of how they went about this. Um, and, and I do think that the, the medical protocols and all that, like it's all, it's, it seems pretty fine to me right now, but you know, the, the process to get there was a complete mess. And that's where it hurts the Big Ten if they go about this the same way. I don't think that this is going to hurt for years to come unless they learned nothing from this. Yeah, and it's also important to say, I mean, this is not over. We, we, you have to actually now get through a season. I mean, yes. we don't even have a schedule yet. Like, we, we still got to get yeah. through a season. So, like, how much – how, like, the Big Ten ultimately comes out of it, a lot of that's going to depend on how the next four months go and whether this season actually goes smoothly. I think if the season goes smoothly and – you know, I mean, I would, I would say this, like, not the other schools in the Big Ten, but like, I think if you're just like the Big Ten as a conference, like, the best thing that could happen for you would be to Ohio State to have a great season and make the college ball playoff and make a championship run. Because, like, if, if, I mean, I, I put this in Ohio State because, I mean, you got the most vocal fan base and you're the team that's expected to be the best team in conference. If Ohio State doesn't have the kind of season it's supposed to have, everyone's going to point to this as an excuse. They're all going to point to, if the Big Ten didn't screw them over, maybe this would have happened. Uh, so I think the best thing that could happen, like for the Big Ten as a conference, you know, not the ever teams per se, because you want to have that chance to win a Big Ten title and go to college ball playoff. But just like as a conference as a whole, like for Ohio State to like meet those expectations and have that great year, I think would be a good thing for the Big Ten because then they can't hold that over you of it. Like you screwed up your best team's shot. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's a good point, and and it's. I don't know. It's it'll be fascinating to see how this is handled the rest of the fall because you're right. Like today is just the first step, and that's really what it is. It's a celebratory first step from Indian Columbus, but it is still the first step. Um, next question from Bartholomew: Have you heard anything out of practice? For example, any particular players doing exceptionally well or leaders stepping up? And that's where we say uh, no, because really they haven't even practiced. Yeah, they've quasi practiced. Like they've yeah. been doing twelve hours a week, but like. I mean, there's been no media access. Like, I mean, you know, and I mean, like, the next time we get Ryan Day, like, we'll actually ask him football questions. But, like, it's been a long time since, like, we've talked to a coach or a player about football stuff. So, no, I mean, it really isn't a whole lot that that we can say. Uh, It's like, you know, like, we we were talking about it the other day. It's like, I almost feel like we have to, like, now recalibrate to, like, thinking about, like, oh, like, what are they doing from a football perspective? Because we've been so focused – and all this other stuff that like, you're not even really thinking about that. So you, we really haven't heard anything like you just not hearing any of that. But I think now that, you know, this is behind us and they're going to really start ramping up to a season. 
you know, now, now we'll start to hear a lot more. Next question from, let me see, Iowa Buckeyes. I'd welcome a status report on injured players, Master T, Gaskell Garrett, et cetera. Well, as I mentioned before, I mean, I, I do know that, you know, Master Teague from talking to his dad and, you know, everything I've heard is that, you know, he's back. He, he, he's, he's ready to go. He's ready to play. Um, so, you know, and, and I would think that, you know, having almost two extra months to the season just increases the likelihood that he's going to be 100%. So I expect him to be out there. Um, you know, another one that I know, you know, has been hurt and I, I, I know that he's ready to go. And, you know, I think, that, you know, he, he's finally healthy is Cameron Babb the wide receiver uh, who's of course missed his first two seasons uh, with knee injuries, uh, you know, based on everything I've heard, he's ready to go full go uh, Haskell Garrett. I, I do, I don't know anything about um, that in regards to, um, you know, his readiness to play or any of that, you know, I mean, obviously the, the, the really good news there was that it didn't sound like he uh, suffered any, you know, life changing injuries as a result of that shooting. So uh, I think he's certainly expected to make a full recovery, uh, but whether he's back practicing, um, you know, when he'll be ready to play, I, I, I don't know at this point. Nor do I. And, and that's one of those, I mean, tough things where it's like, I have no idea. I mean, when you hear that entry first come out, that's, that's terrifying. Like we're in a weird situation where Ryan Day just talked, but like Haskell Garrett, no one was going to ask about Haskell Garrett just because like this news had just dropped. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, I don't even know. Could he even remotely possibly play this season? I, I don't know. Like, hopefully, I, I, now, I, yeah. Hopefully next week we'll have more yeah. like, updates on what's actually happening from a football side because I imagine um, we'll have some more opportunities to talk to football coaches and players before then. From an aptly named OSU bias, are we being overly spoiled and ridiculous that we only want to play with the chance to win for the, win the Natty, and are we that good without Davis and Wade? Um, he he will be happy to know that since he asked that question, that the second part of the question, at least half of that, he doesn't have to worry about anymore. Yeah. That one was asked on Tuesday as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, to, yeah. Of course, why Dave's back. We'll see on Sean Wade. First, first question. I mean, I, I, I say, no, I, I don't, I don't think you're overly spoiled. Cause like that's, that's what Ohio state, that's where Ohio state is at as a program right now. That's the expectation that you're You're going to compete for national championships. So like, yeah, I think it's totally, you know, re- reasonable, like who, who wants to just play a season that you can't result in achieving your ultimate goal. So no, I, I, I don't think it's spoiled. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I think I would have encouraged people to try to appreciate whatever we get if we got something in the, the winter or spring, but you know, I, I think for people to desire more than that, uh, I think is completely, completely reasonable uh, because that's where the Ohio state football program is. Yeah. And I think that like, it would be overly spoiled and ridiculous if there was no clear path to playing safely in the fall. And I do think like if you just want people to go risk themselves knowing that this isn't really a safe way and it's bad for public health to go and play football. then I do think that like, yeah, that's where the answer to that question would be yes. But as long as you can do it safely and it does seem like the big 10 is at least going down that path. Um, and, and hopefully everybody abides by you know, their, their structure that they put in place. Um, I don't think that that's ridiculous. Um, that's what Ohio State, I mean, that's what Ohio State should be aiming for every single season and also with this team. Like, that is that is a reasonable expectation with this team. I mean, we're talking about it as, like, it will be pretty bad if they lost a single game in the regular season. It's like, maybe we're the ridiculous ones. But I also think that this team's unbelievably talented. Yeah, I mean – 
I mean, I'll say that like too, like on that point, like anything can happen this year. It's 2020, like things yeah. have the potential to get weird. Like I'm usually the type that like I tend to be conservative of predictions going into the season. Like as a, I mean, I'm not predicting Ohio season with next year. I'm, I'm predicting they're going to run the table in the Big Ten and make the college ball playoff. That's 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 where I'm going right now. Just just I just want to make that clear. Um, but um, you know, I think last year, like I think I was too conservative, like predicting, yeah, they might lose two games. Like you know, you look at the guys they have back. Like yeah, they should win every game in the Big Ten. They did it last year, so like I think that should be the expectation. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I think that should be the expectation. And I think for the second question from OSU buys, I think we kind of hit him that before. Is Ohio State good enough to win a national championship without Sean Wade? I don't know. I, I, I really, I really don't know if the secondary is going to be good enough to win a, a a national championship without Sean Wade. I think if that comes to fruition, I think that's probably going to be the number one question about whether this team's good enough to win a national championship. But I think the rest of a team is. So I think, you know, I think that could ultimately be, you know, that one area that just really, really has to step up for them to have a chance, uh, especially if they lose Sean Wade. Next question from Iowa Buckeyes again. Why is the big, (laughs) I'm here for it. Why is the big 10? Oh yeah. I'm looking ahead. They're all from Iowa Buckeyes. I love it. Why is the big 10 considering playing this late? Is it because daily rapid testing and other protocols will allow them to catch and contain the virus better or because schools could use the money? Uh, or is it because of the pressure being applied from other fronts? And this is where I say all of the above. Yeah. I, mean, I think we, I think we kind of answered that before. And uh, yeah. again, most of these questions were asked before the decision was made. So the wording there considering now they're actually going to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think I agree. I think it's all of the above. You know, I think uh, absolutely it's, uh, because you know the, the protocols uh, have improved, uh, it's absolutely because they could use the money. There's no. They question. literally had a TV subcommittee, the Big yeah. Ten, like that was public, and so yeah, that that played a big role. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, there's no denying that money absolutely is a factor, and yeah, it's absolutely because of pressure being applied from other fronts as well, and there's many other fronts that are involved there. Uh, but yeah, I agree, all of the above. Next question, of course, from Iowa Buckeyes as well. We only seem to be hearing about football, but shouldn't it be a subtopic and a larger discussion about bringing back all fall sports? Yeah, I think it should be. Uh, as of today, the announcement from the Big Ten today was uh, only regarding to football. Uh, and, I, and I think, I think you know, I mean, again, like reasons for that, well, one of them is money. Uh, but the, the other reason for that is because the college ball playoff is the only national championship that's going to take place in the fall. So, uh I don't know. I don't have any inside info on what's going to happen with the other fall sports. I would imagine if you're the Big Ten, you're probably, you know, you're probably, uh, if you're going to play this fall, you'd probably look at some sort of split season arrangement because championships are going to be taking place in the spring in those sports, and you don't have the same, you know, professional concerns that you do with the the NFL. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen there. I think football was obviously the top priority, and we don't need to sugarcoat that. Like football is what this is all about. So like. That was the top priority, but, uh, you know, I, I think the other fall sports, uh, the Big Ten said there will be updates soon. So I think, uh, you know, I think there are absolutely discussions taking place. And I think, you know, now that you've got this plan in place for football in terms of all the testing and all that, that should be applicable to all sports. So I think, you know, you think about basketball, where we, we just heard really right before we started recording that the Division One Council had uh, approved a November 25 start date uh, nationally for college basketball. You would think today's news would give the Big Ten the green light to start 
with the rest of the country in November 25, because you would think now the protocols are in place that when it comes to those winter sports, uh, the Big Ten should be on the same page as everybody else. Next question from Iowa Buckeyes. Iowa Buckeyes. Buckeyes. (laughs) (laughs) Is 2020 going to provide a mulligan for coaches in the hot seat? Parentheses, looking at you, Lovey Smith, but feel free to consider college football coaches in their entirety for a larger sample. And, And I'll say this. It's a good question because there were not a lot of coaching. There, well, there wasn't a lot of coaching turnover in the basketball world because that basketball season ended and you're right in the middle of a pandemic. So you know what people aren't going to do? They're not going to pay million dollar buyouts to coaches. So the answer to that question is probably yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good question. I think Colin's probably right. I think it really is probably. I, I think, I, I think there's definitely going to be a lot more leeway this year uh, in terms of, you know, coach you know expectations and all that coaches and I mean it's, it's just gonna be weird because like you think of the offseason now like you know you could have jobs opening up and then candidates still coaching if other conferences play in the fall and it's just you know you could you could have jobs in the MAC and the Mountain West open up in April or May if they don't play until the spring so it's all going to be weird, but I, I, I do think by and large, you're going to see a lot less coaching turnover after this season than you would in a normal season. Just cause I, I, I do, I think uh, there's going to be more mulligans given out. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, unless you're really bad and unless your seat, unless your seat was already really hot and you have a really bad year, I think teams are going to be more in schools are going to be more inclined uh, to give that coach another year, another normal year. Uh, to try to write the ship. Yeah, and here's the other thing with that, too, is, like, if there's some booster that really hates a coach, <laughs> if there's some booster who all of a sudden it makes sense for a school to <clears throat> fire a coach and move on from them, but they don't have the money, like, it just takes one booster, Dan, to, to, front, that, to front that paycheck and make sure you, you pay that buyout to him and, and, and the assistant coaches, whoever else, you know, you need to, you need to buy out. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's possible that there are certain situations that boosters can expediate that. But I think generally, and this is especially true probably at smaller colleges that are having you know, bigger budgetary issues than Ohio State, um, that's going to be a thing. That's going to be a thing this offseason. Final question, also from Iowa Buckeyes. Does the 2020 season deserve a giant asterisk? Um. I think it deserves less of one now that the Big Ten is playing. Um, but <laughs> you but, said that to make to make our listeners happy, didn't you? Well, I I, I mean I I think you know you're talking about you know, you're kidding. going from, it, it, it does you're going from three power fives to four. So I think you know you know um, and I mean if, I'm just going to be honest, like I don't think there's a national championship contender in the Pac-12, regardless. So like, there's only really three though. Like it's it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Right. So and like, if someone else jumps take, up there, if if you take one of those top three teams out there, then like I, I know Dabo Sweeney, like just as we're recording here, had a quote about like the season wouldn't have lost any luster uh, without Ohio State. People think I'm a Dabo defender, but I'll say it right now. I think he's completely wrong about that. Like to say that not having the Big Ten playing would take nothing away from college football season. I think that's stupid. Um, so uh, I'll say that. And you guys who hate Dabo will like that I said that. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the deal. There's going to be an asterisk on this season because of the fact that 
Like when you look at the record books from the season one day, the numbers are going to look weird because they're going to be playing less games. Like it, it's not a normal season. Like to, I think to, to even try to pretend that this is a normal season, you can't, but d- does that just because there's an asterisk, does that invalidate, you know, whoever wins the national championship? No. I mean, I, I mean, I think especially when you consider all that all these schools are having to go through just to have a chance to play this fall. I don't think it invalidates anything. I don't think it lessens anything. I just think there's an asterisk there because of the fact that, I mean, you just can't hide the fact that it's not a normal season. There's no asterisk. And the reason there's no asterisk is because there's three true, there's three actual national championship contenders. It's Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. If all three of them are playing, one of those three is going to win or there's going to be another team that beats one or two of those on the way to a national title. Congratulations. There's no asterisk if you beat those teams. I don't think there's any asterisk on this season unless like there's a national championship game that gets played with like 12 guys who can't play because of coronavirus. And it happens to be like seven of them are starters. Like, okay, then we can have a conversation, but like, we're not there yet. If, if these teams can all play and get through a season without anything absurd happening, I don't see any reason there should be an asterisk. And I'm sorry, Oregon, but, like, no, I'm not I'm not sorry to Oregon. I'm not sorry to the Pac-12. <laughs> I'm just not. Like, they're not – I wasn't – I wasn't – I don't think I was going to meet anyone on the street who was like, man, I think Oregon's going to win the national title. That wasn't going to happen this, this season. So, um, yeah, there's no asterisk to me. One of these teams – if I was going to pick a national champion, I would have picked them for one of these four conferences, really one of the three conferences, if I'm being honest. And I apologize to West Virginia and the Big 12 when I say that. But <laughs> I'm looking to the Big Ten, I'm looking at the ACC, and I'm looking at the SEC. And when I say that, I mean I'm looking at Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. Yeah, I we finally disagreed. At the last last question of the show, we finally disagreed. But I mean, Thankfully. again, and, and again, I'm like I think I I think I heard like Pat McAfee talking about this on Saturday and he kind of said it the same way I did. And I thought it was a good point. Like, I mean, I, 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 I when I'm saying there's an asterisk, I, I know that immediately people just assume that means like it's lesser than, but like, I do think when you go into record books, there's going to be an asterisk there that points to saying there were less games played in this season because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So like, I, I think to just like pretend like, this season was not different from any other season in any way. Like it's kind of silly, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that that makes winning a championship this year, anything lesser than what it would normally be. It's just a little different. Here's my deal with the asterisks. What in the world asterisks are not viewed as lesser than every time I see an asterisk is viewed as lesser than. And every time it comes up in a sports conversation is because people view things as lesser than. So I think that that's what people would do and yes you're technically correct that when there's a record book it would probably have an asterisk to say at the bottom of the page like hey this specific season was played in a weird way where every team played different games um but honestly maybe it won't i don't know um in my world there's zero asterisks and this is a normal season but i also experienced the last five weeks which means that if I actually say that out loud now things are going to go chaotic and this is going to be a terrible fall so I apologize let's just uh, let's just end it on this I'm just glad we we're not talking about a real real asterisk season that was going to happen in January and end in March I'm just glad we're talking about playing actual football this fall and Ohio State having a chance to compete for an actual national championship to compete in an actual college football playoff this is a weird year 
people are going to have opinions on this year for a long, long time. I'm just glad that we are going to get to talk about Ohio State playing actual football this fall and playing with the ever major conferences and really getting to find out whether this is a real national championship team. Because the truth is, if they didn't play this fall, if they didn't get a chance to potentially go up against Clemson and Alabama, we never would have known. Now we're going to know, and that's a good thing. I'm thrilled, but at the same time, if sports are back, that means that we have to have dumb sports debates, and there's no dumber sports debate than if a season has an asterisk on it. <laughs> well, thanks, Iowa. <laughs> that, that marks that football is back. Football's back. Dumb debates are back. Real Pod Wednesdays is here all along, but we're firmly back now. No more of this. We might take a week off. We're back. Football's back. We'll be back next week. Lots more actual football talk coming at you. Thanks again for listening in, and we'll talk to you again soon.